welcome to the finder of lost things exploring your superpowers of trust healing and transformation with me hannah belton my brother christian disappeared in mali africa in 2003 he disappeared without a trace we lost his story we didn't have closure we lost so much I was fighting and searching to find Christian when actually I just needed to sit in stillness and attract him in. I was so resistant to doing this, but I had to surrender. It's a process of trusting and finding the lost pieces and and integrating them. This podcast will uncover the process that Christian and I went on to find the lost things, him and to find the parts of me that were missing. And we were destined from the start to tell our story into the dark for we were born to a great white shark Hello, hi, come on in please. Welcome, come and sit around in a circle. I've got loads of stories again to tell you this week. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about why. (laughs) When things go wrong, uh, once we've got over the initial shock or flight or fright response, um, and we've had a bit of time to sort of take stock we always ask why you know why did that have to happen what was the purpose of that this is something which I have had a long history of asking why did this all have to happen and like finding the meaning and the purpose behind what happened to my brother Christian and also to to myself and us together so I'd really like to show you how this search for meaning and the answer to the big question of why, um, how this played out over the course of, oh, it's probably about five years now. Um, But to show you, I'm going to have to really start with Christian right at the beginning where he was writing to an agent, a literary agent, and he was describing his project. And I'd really like you to see, it's, it's, I'll try and condense it a bit, but I want you to see what was driving Christian at this point. And I guess we have to ask, when, you, when you're asking the question why, is it fate or is it destiny? Now, fate to me is, I was asking my my friend and colleague, Natasha, um, who you'll meet in a couple of um, programs, I was asking her what she thought about fate and destiny, the sort of differences. And I just want to tell you what she said, because it was it was quite it sort of triggered me. And as a aha moment, she said to her, the feeling of fate felt like heavy, like it's something that is going to happen. And you're just sort of trotting along, being pulled along. Destiny, on the other hand, is something that's light and it sparkles and you're like really excited and you off you go. So when when I read you this, you'll understand that why I think, well, initially thought 
that this was all Christian's destiny going to Africa. So he's writing to to a, a very well-known London literary agent and he uh, just, when he introduces it, he starts talking about his aims. So this is Christian speaking and this was written in September 2020, uh, 2002. So he was 27 at the time. So... My plan is to trace the route of the British explorer Mungo Park, whose mission it was in 1795 to discover the course and termination of the River Niger in West Africa. With the bicentenary of his death soon approaching, I thought it would be a fitting tribute to his memory to recreate this amazing journey in post-colonial Africa. I want the real gritty realities and challenges of travelling in these environments to become apparent from my writing and filming. Like Park, I shall travel alone and on foot, save for the accompaniment of local guides and the use of a pirogue, which is a dugout canoes, uh, along some sections of the river. It may be difficult to follow Park's exact route to the river due to changes in names or places that have vanished, but I hope to experience what it was like for him to explore new, unfamiliar lands, often in very difficult conditions. Uh, those conditions, he doesn't put them in, but I'm going to add them in, like disease, malaria, uh, hostile tribes, dangerous animals, inhospitable terrain and extremes of harsh climate. Christian then carries on. It will be interesting to find out how the ease of travel has improved since he strode into the history books. And then he goes on to talk about the journey, which I'm going to praise. It begins in Gambia, right on the west coast. Uh, and it passes through Senegal into Mali, past the ancient city of Timbuktu to the edge of the Sahara, Sahara Desert, down through Niger and out through the forests and mangroves surrounding uh, down into Nigeria. Uh, the route covers a distance of 2,100 miles and passes through the territories of at least eight different tribes. I would expect to take about five to six eight months to complete the journey to allow time to visit the major sites, to experience the lives and cultures of these people and to spend some time looking at the country, country and the wildlife that lives there. Uh, and then he goes on to break down the journey and he actually, his first part of the journey was overland from Gambia to Bamako in Mali, which is from the coast uh, into the Sahel, which is... Um, yeah, sort of grasslands, and then onto the Niger, onto the river. Um, he never got past his stage one of the of the trip. Um, but then he goes on to talk about his experience and interests, and this is where I think we can start to see how this trip to Africa and what unfolds has been like his destiny for a long, long time all the traveling that he's done and I'll just, but you'll see. So my experience and interest, I was initially attracted to the sto stories of Mungo Park's adventures as a result of some of my own experiences traveling. And once I'd learned more about his travels, I found the idea of undertaking such a challenging journey irresistible. I am roughly the same age as Park was when he set out on his first journey. I'm 27, he was 24. Like him, I went to Edinburgh University I too went abroad after finishing my studies and was also interested in wildlife. I went to the West Indies and spent about two years traveling around, exploring the islands of the Eastern Caribbean, where I was researching the fauna and taking photographs with a view to writing about my findings, which I have sub subsequently done. 
During this trip, I spent most of my time in the bush and living with the island islanders who were genuinely surprised to see me on my own away from either the hotels or the island's yachting centres. I met some fascinating people and frequently found myself amongst Rastafarians, who some of them I found it was very were very interested in discussing their African roots and how the white men had taken their people into captivity. Many of these people's ancestors would have come from Western Africa in the regions visited by Park, but most know little about from where their ancestors came from. I didn't give the idea of following up this interest much interest at the time, as I was in the Caribbean to study the wildlife, but I had already traveled in Southern Africa before and had already decided that I'd love to see more of the continent. My discovery of Mungo Park's travels instantly struck a chord with me and I thought this would be a great way of combining my interests in exploration, wildlife and the people that some of my friends in the Caribbean may have descended from. I'm an experienced and capable solo traveller with several past expeditions under my belt, which has given me an ample taste of the hardships encountered when travelling in wild or remote places. It takes a lot to dampen my spirits and I enjoy roughing it in the course of achieving my goals, particularly when the experiences to be gained by doing so are out of the ordinary. The history behind the exploration of the Niger, which is, which is the thirdest, third longest river in Africa, is fascinating, but would not be the main focus, focus of the journey, rather a foundation for the work I hope to produce. While documenting my journey on film and in a book, I intend to spend time looking at West Africa, its history, the people, their cultures, trade, industry and the wildlife, about all of which I have gained a broad knowledge in the course of my research. I hope therefore to include something to suit many different tastes. Although this is an exceptionally beautiful part of the world, its beauty masks the harshness of the lives of those who live there. Therefore, I intend to render a realistic portrait of their lives as unseen by the outside world and to tell a great story in the process. Uh, obviously, he did go on to tell a great story in the process, but that wasn't the story he was expecting to tell at all. Um, so that's kind of Christian's build up to this trip to Africa. The build-up to my part in this really happened when in 2015, so we're now talking sort of 12 years after he'd gone missing, I had, I've talked about it before, but I totally couldn't deal with my grief um, and we were still living in a kind of hope that he might one day turn up but I'd gone on to have family. I, you know, got myself sort of settled in, in life. And I met our local uh, vicar at the time, a lady vicar in our local shop. And she started to tell me about her brother who just died in um, New Zealand. So she was over here. He died in New Zealand. And she was telling me about her, um, how she'd been able to be at the funeral through the internet which was quite new then it's quite a new idea which is funny now because this is that's mainly how we've been able to view funerals during our lockdowns um but she then went on to talk about how it had been lovely to hear her brother's stories things that he she didn't know about him so she was obviously listening to eulogies and readings and and as she was talking, 
I burst into tears and I hadn't, she knew about Christian, but I hadn't talked to anybody about Christian. Nobody really knew about Christian at that point. And like she comforted me and it just hit me that I hadn't dealt with this (laughs) at all. And that I, what I really wanted from, from that conversation, what I really wanted to do was to gather stories of Christian to piece together his, his life, you know, the stories that we'd missed. And we, at that point, were thinking we'd never be able to ask him to fill in the gaps. I know last week we, with, we were with Sarah, Christian's um, one of his best friends, and she was telling, sort of filling some of the gaps about his time in Edinburgh where he was studying. But, you know, that then, that conversation with, with our, our vicar, started off my thought that I needed to ask all his friends for stories of Christian that I wanted to put into a book and I was going to approach publishers because I'm a published author already but I was going to create a book proposal to tell Christian's story and to include uh you know memories of him but also the search that we had and yeah that was my sort of story proposal idea at the moment at that time but we kind of moved on because when we got to 2000 and where are we now? 2018, when I, Christian and myself found out that he was actually dead, that kind of, the, the focus of why this had happened changed so initially I was thinking, well, there has to be a reason for him going missing. There has to be a reason for me starting to feel that I need to find him again after all that time and to start going, following this pathway really of, of a spiritual awakening. Um, and I, fa- I was actually reading this book today. Uh, it's a brilliant book, Sand Talk. Um and in it, there's a brilliant line. Um, Ghosts tend to linger where there is unfinished business and hard truths buried in shallow graves. And obviously, when we found out that Christian was dead, there was obviously a huge story to tell. And that then led to... So when I found out what had happened to Christian... Uh, I think by this time, so I'm going to jump again to July 2018. So actually I hadn't done, I hadn't found out his whole story uh, at that point, but I knew, we knew what had happened to him. And I started to think that actually this was a much bigger story than Christian and myself. And this was being expanded out to other people. It was like, um, our experiences would help other people. So we'd gone from just sort of sibling interaction to actually thinking, hang on, this is on a much bigger scale than we think. And I'd actually wrote down my fears that the story that we've been through, the 15 years, I don't want them to be wasted. You know, how do we get this story that we're telling and the lessons that we've both learned, because Krishna and I learned a lot of lessons along the way. How do we get that out to a wider audience? And I was asking my guides at the, that point and Christian, like, show me how I'm going to do this. 
show me how I'm going to get to a bigger audience. And a lot of this was to do with um, like finding balance again, because obviously when, when you, something happens that completely knocks your, knocks your life out of alignment, all you want to do is to get balance again and try and get through the days is a good start um but also to to have the hope and the faith that at some point life is going to be more peaceful is going to calm feel calmer and that is all to do with how you're feeling inside so how whatever's happening on the outside of life and however you're being pushed and pulled and circumstances are happening around you you can see it as fate you know these things are happening to me whereas whereas actually seeing it as things are happening for me and Christian's advice at that point when I was saying look how do we get this bigger story you know how do I find some peace that our story isn't going to be wasted and that people are actually going to be able to get something from it as well he, he started talking about God and he was talking about feelings and how feelings are God given. So if you're whatever you're feeling, it's it's almost like God is giving them to you to show you how out of balance you are or how in balance you are. So we're always trying to get back to a balance. And I used the the image of the, the blue triangle for the um for the image for this show and that's really getting back to that balance and that calmness and that peace and that was what I'm going to show you what Christian and I and all of us are all trying to do in this life um so yeah I just sort of have to had to tell you about that first and finding your balance is like a real purpose in life and when when things are really unclear for example I asked the question at the end of the last program which was why was Christian not found earlier on why was the truth about Christian not found earlier on there were so many searches for Christian and we had absolutely nothing, no concrete evidence at all, no news at all. So when I started doing my sessions with Christian, we did trance mediumship sessions to really find out exactly what had happened to him. I asked him why it had taken so long to find him for number one and why it had been me <laughs> that had to find him because at that point it became really obvious that it was a journey that Christian and I were doing together it wasn't just him going off and me going off on our separate ways in life we had come back to sort of parallel and Christian said um and this also kind of gave an well, you'll, you'll hear it, but it gives an idea of the purpose behind 
him going missing and and the and everything that was going on but it also again shows this idea of a destiny so so yes so there were lots of searches for me um i'm now told but why was i never found so this is christian speaking through me and he says the honest truth is that it would have served no great purpose for me to be found then dead I would have just been a dead brother, a dead son, a dead friend. Everyone would have grieved in their own way and then moved on with their life as best they could. But that was never the purpose of my death or my story towards my death. The purpose was for Hannah to move through life, to have her family, to experience being a writer, to experience speaking in public. All these things she's done over the years. It's all Hannah. And thank God she took every opportunity she was given, never shied away from opportunities and doing. All the people she met along the way to help her were all there for this purpose. She doesn't know how special she is. She healed and regenerated herself from loss using all the guidance around her. And now we are in the position to use everything that Hannah's learned to be able to bring my purpose or to, sorry, to be able to bring purpose to my death and missing status for 15 years. Hannah understands this now, but she's resented it for many years. We've had to, no, not we, as I've played no part knowingly, but others in spirit have been leading her. In many cases, using other people to keep her in a state of hope, to bring her to the point where this purpose is now being able to be fulfilled. The past is quite a murky place for me in the physical, but Hannah's going to tell, help me to tell my story and shed light on what has happened by telling you my story and hers. Hannah is going to provide healing through story. This will be in writing, film, speaking, story as therapy. She's going to have a film crew, which I never had, stupidly. So at this point in time, I still don't know what the film crew is all about. Um, and unless it's doing these podcasts and these films, I don't know. But for, when I did those films with him, it was, it was like, it's all been about the story. And he, he says, actually here, he says, um, you know, if, if he, if he had known about, um, what was going to happen to him, he would have never have um, gone on this trip. Even though people told him that, oh, you know, this was a bad idea. He was like, no, I'm going to do it. But he says it was never the plan for him to stay at home and rot. The plan was for me to be always be traveling, to always be exploring, to always be building a story for Hannah and myself to tell later. It's all been about the story which Hannah's going to uncover and tell. So, and it and he, then he carries on saying, my hope is that all those who need support through loss, however long ago it was, find some peace through these videos and through Hannah's words and our words. I don't think I need to say any more there, but I mean, he's, oh, and he says, sorry, um, I was always chasing, always chasing after something the answers but as Hannah, Hannah will tell you the more you chase after something and try to force things to happen the more they elude you it's only when you accept release emotions and forgive and become a lighthouse with love in your heart that's when life begins and he was telling me all this well he was 
telling me this and I was telling the audience and I when I was in this when I do like the trance mediumship I don't know or I don't consciously register what's being said so I did these films or they're all on YouTube and I had no understanding of what I was saying or what really what I was saying so when I read those back I was like oh okay this is a much bigger (laughs) purpose and a much bigger like event than I couldn't possibly comprehend really Uh, gone from just but yeah as I said just from Christian and I to to these films where we were going to be doing a you know helping other people and on a much bigger scale so it was all a bit of a shock um but then it kind of became obvious as time went on and I did my own work on sort of meditating and and trying to understand what on earth was going on and I did a meditation which was it's called the council of light now these this council of light is like a a set of spirits who you before you birth into this life stay with me stay with me I know it sounds it might sound a bit out there but stay with me before you come into your life you have to a certain degree decided on lots of things that are going to happen to you in this life And I did this meditation and I'm going to share with you some of the things that came up. And I also want to include another few things about destiny life and also about the parents that you choose. So I did this meditation and I, it became really obvious Christian was really so Christian and I were together before we birthed. We're only um, 14 months apart in age. So we birthed pretty quickly together. Um, so I was with Christian in this sort of council of, of lights area before we birthed. And Christian was very excited. He was holding my hand and I was not keen. I was not keen to do this, <laughs> to do this life at all um and he was he was adamant that we needed to do this life we'd chosen our parents already and I will tell you what he this is something later that he told me but I will tell you what he said about our parents um so like our parents they might not totally understand what's happening to you but they understand they allow you to evolve They understand that you need to break and rebuild yourself. They shouldn't be scared of what you become. True love allows understanding, forgiveness and finds a way. We're very lucky with our parents, Han. And I... We always... We always do this when we talk about them. Sorry. Um... We're very lucky with our parents, Han. Um, I now know why we chose them, as they've allowed us to find our own path in life. They haven't constrained, despite everything in them shouting and screaming that we are taking the wrong path. 
The ripples we're creating now are calming them and making them proud. We do owe them everything you know. Yeah, so that's where we chose our parents. <laughs> but also we chose um, like the circumstances that we were born in. So we were born into into England, safe, safe and green, as Christian said. And um, we had um, schooling, good schooling. Christian was a boarder, so he went away boarding. And the whole point of this life was that Christian and I would be separated. And I knew that. We both knew that coming in. But in the circumstances that we lived in, the separation was quite an easy one in terms of boarding school and, and that sort of gradual separation. So we grew up on a farm together for, you know, many years and then gradually got separated. And that was the only thing that kind of made me okay with this life in terms of losing Christian, because I knew I would lose him. And I knew that we would find each other again. I didn't know how or or when or in what circumstances, but I knew we would be reunited. And I also knew that it would be a safe time in this in this time. You know, in the well, we we were born in the nineteen seventies, but you know, forward from that, it was a safe time to be able to talk about these kind of things. And. Uh, yeah I chose chose the body that I'm in um we chose all these things um and the other thing that we wanted to heal there was a pattern that we wanted to heal and but it wasn't so much a pattern of of Christian and I in our healing although as I've shown you in previous podcast episodes there's been lots of ancestral healing and things that we've had to do but this mission, it was like a mission on earth. Christian was like, well, it's a, it is a mission. It's not, it's like down to universal healing. It wasn't just about us. It was going to be a universal healing. Um, and, and also that when the other thing that kind of persuaded me to do this was that when Christian had gone, I would also be given a very loving family to replace Christian. So I would feel fully loved, which I do in my, my family that I have. Um, so there were all these things and I, this was all in meditation. Um, and it was really obvious how, Oh, I just didn't, really, didn't want to do this. I was really reluctant to do this. Um, because Christian and I have had many past lives together, not necessarily as siblings, but as, as allies, um and it a bit we've it been hard in previous lives because we'd also been separated but we hadn't been able to tell our story um we'd always been put and myself particularly had been sort of cut down many times for the truths that I spoke in previous lives so I was really unsure Christian was the strong one and he was like come on Han we've got to go and do this like this will be the last one. This is really the last one, and he persuaded me. And I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell. I mean, Christian is a is a strong character, and um, yeah. So I, I kind of agreed to do this life, um, 
but it had to be like a collective it had to be Christian and I doing this together and the mission was really to heal the grief in in the world (laughs) it's like healing grief and fear to turn the fear to love to lighten people on earth to bring love connections to show that loss is an illusion love is all you need um the way to live is like how animals live so wild and natural um in terms of mind i should say um and like we would i was also shown that was when i was shown this triangle and and how balance is so important and how rebirth is important so like when when these awful things happen or or where you're forced to change where you're forced to accept the unknown like that is when it is your opportunity to rebirth and we'll get onto that a little bit later but this meditation was so real I was seeing um so there were lots of other people around us in this area so if you're listening to this and you're like when I'm talking about the council of lights and some people would call it the ring of destiny I think um so this area before you birth where you're you know you get your sort of mission but then when you're born you sort of get this collective amnesia (laughs) and life is all about finding that balance again and find and going through all the lessons and actually Christian says something here um you know we did we did actually say that I, you know, I did say that I would do this mission, but I also said to Christian that the onus was on him to provide like the truth and, and the messages and the lessons and um, that he, he was going to be kind of the leader in this life and that he would be the one doing the storytelling. So he would go and get the story (laughs) and I would be the one to to tell it um I don't think we you know when we talk about fate and and destiny and all that all all of this we really have to remember that we have free will we have free will all the time we have a choice so if, if something comes up and you think oh this feels familiar like this feels um like I have a decision to to make here. I can either go this way with my heart maybe or this way with my head. This is the way I should be going. Like that's where you have your choice. That's where the the free will comes in. So you can have, you know, you know, an unlimited number of, of ways your life can turn out. But really the the balance that we all want and we're all aiming for is to yeah follow these god-given feelings and actually try and balance uh you know what where what is my heart really wanting me to do and having the bravery to do what your heart really wants to do um there's yeah there's something here actually so when um i was doing a memoir with somebody not that long ago because i used to ghostwrite memoirs with people and this gentleman had a story uh, about his upbringing that he never told his family. He he didn't tell them about his his early life because it was so completely different to where he was. Uh, and he was, I think, he was a bit embarrassed about it. But he wanted to put the story down and tell his truth. Um, 
And I said to this gentleman, like, this memoir, it, it has to be your essence. It has to be really who you are and, you know, what you carry in your heart. This has to be in your memoir. So he did tell me all about his um, his his parents and, and how he grew up. And we put it in this memoir for his family to read. But I, when I came home from that, I was talking to about Christian to talking about this with um, talking about it with Christian. And he said that um, we are all made up of our experiences. We choose them and choose them before we're birthed. And we have to live and experience life to expose ourselves to our potential lessons. It's up to us whether we firstly engage with the potential lessons and whether B, we live them and C, whether we allow ourselves to learn from that situation. We can fall at any of the hurdles. So like living living your destiny life and Christian will say, um, you know, you follow your dreams but don't expect it to be an easy path <laughs> because when you're stretched, when you're challenged, like that's when the good stuff can really happen. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not easy. I mean, none of this path that Christian and I have, have been on and which we would encourage others to do, you know, the, you know, if you, you have a, have a death or a loss or a grief that you is just, you can't, you can't shake um you know really doing that inner inner work and really exploring it and releasing the feelings and like going on the on the journey doing that walk through the grief we call it a grief walk so actually walking through the grief and really releasing everything um that is what we <laughs> what we help other people with and that's what we recommend you know that we we are an example of of how um grief can be i was gonna say overcome um used you know how grief can really really be used to to grow and and expand and to to see life in a different way we have this image of um christian and i have used to in our meditations used to fly as eagles and when you're in your eagle form like you're high up you can see everything from a much higher perspective and you can see a longer perspective as well so I think what we're talking about here is is all through our journey we is the long view of it you know when you're living in a in a situation and you're very insular and everything is getting on top of you it's very easy to not be able to take the long view and just struggle and strive and fight but actually when you're up high you you get a soul view of your life really so your higher self what what you've come here to achieve you can kind of go oh yeah okay if I look at it from a higher view I'm this this has happened because of this you know I'm here to learn from this I'm here to break that pattern I'm here to you know be be the hope of my ancestors that I will be able to to break this pattern of behavior maybe or I need to be able to forgive and that will change my life and my family's life from now on you know all these things it's taking what you know that destiny or you know that light feeling how will this make me light how will make this make me lighter how will this change me in a positive way um 
sorry, I went off on I went off on one then. Christian was obviously <laughs> going off. Um the other thing that I needed to to talk about was um Christian then told me a couple of extra things which made more sense to his kind of side of the story. Um, and I'd just like to share these with you because they might trigger something for you. They might just trigger you, trigger something about experiences that you've had. And also um, the idea that we're never alone. And you know, we come into this life with, with a purpose and it will be unique for everybody. But we have a whole heap of guides around us and we only have to ask for their help if we're feeling stuck. Um, anyway, Christian, I've already talked or he's already talked about um, angels when he was growing up, how he had angels around him. And Christian, so this is Christian speaking. This is after I've done found his story after we've done our storytelling um we did live but there, there's an extra bit to this at the end so when I was traveling through Africa alone I had several strange experiences which changed me forever little did I know my earthly life was nearly at an end the first experience was a visitation by an angel it was neither male or female and androgynous I suppose it was definitely in the human form, though, pale skinned and totally foreign looking amongst the Africans I was usually around. It became, after the first visitation, a regular visitor in my eyes. It really did appear to me like a living and breathing human. It came to me in moments of quiet and peaceful contemplation. Usually when I had finished scrawling, like his, his handwriting, his notes, and it would appear to sit down beside me equally at peace. Africa, I thought, was playing tricks on my mind. Travelling alone frequently does this to people. But this was no figment of my imagination. At first, I was taken aback and wondered what I should do and say in its presence. It had this beauty, silent and serene. I wonder if it's rude for me to be using the term it. The apparition never said anything on the first few visits. We just sat contemplating the enormity of the landscapes in our view. It never touched me physically ever, but I felt an intense energy radiating from it. It was dressed in a white robe, sparkling clean, even in the dust. And I always felt grubby and embarrassed by my appearance, but I knew it wasn't, I wasn't being judged. I could tell its hairstyle, short and closely cropped, was blonde, natural. Blue piercing eyes like lasers almost. They, the eyes, could see straight through me and into me. There was no denying the internal power energy within this form. Despite its obvious power, it radiated peace and contentment. It would come at all times of the day, no set pattern, and I didn't believe I summoned it in any way, but later it revealed to me how and why I'd called it to me. This is the latter part of this letter, which I will skip to. Going back to Africa, I was nervous of these angels at first because they were adults, fully grown. I'd previously only sat with children and juveniles. These fully grown angels had no wings unlike the ones you interact with. They are all knowing, very zen. I didn't know what I was supposed to do around them, but as with the children, I would just sit and gain energy and comfort. I can't tell you if they were the same, each, same one each time, but I suspect, like the children, they were different, 
but as adults, they had lost some of that individuality. What did these angels want from me? At the time, I had no idea. I just liked their presence. I was traveling alone, so I had no one else to really relax and chill with. One incident gave me my first inkling of what I should do <clears throat> with them, for them. I was to become a storyteller. So this is almost like Christian remembering what he was here for. <laughs> uh, he wasn't here. He was here to to get a story, but by being the explorer and to um, to create a story that would be, which would touch hearts and minds of people. So it would make it easy. We could tell this story and people would like, they wouldn't necessarily know they were receiving messages and guidance. They would just, you could just listen to the story. So he's saying by being a storyteller, as you know, it's all about giving a voice to universal truths and themes. Fables, myths and legends all tell truths in story, which is easy to pass on. Lessons learnt are passed on. One day or evening, I was sitting under this tree, shaded and actually full. So he'd had a full meal and I must have fallen asleep. Unusually, the angel appeared and spoke with me. With me. The voice was totally hypnotic, like warm treacle flowing over a sponge pudding. Public school desserts there. I'll try and remember exactly what was said. And then, so this was, so this was when he was in Africa traveling. So we were kind of time, time hopping. Uh, Christian, it said, your time on earth is running short. Your life has been one of searching, running and breathing to be free, to have that angelic energy, uh, energy that you've been introduced to, to make a difference in this world, in the, in the physical that you create in your dreams with your background in zoology, we've given you opportunities to do with the animals, but that's never fulfilled you as you thought. All the opportunities we've presented have appeared to fail. We've been waiting for this moment, this perfect moment, to give you your real purpose in this life. All is ready for you now. You do not need to be scared. You do not need to be wary of what will unfold. Your sister, Hannah, is coming to you to help you. She will take over my role. She will speak to you, unlike me. Grandmother and Edward, neither known to you, will appear to you too. Now, Edward, if you've been listening to the podcast, is uh, Ursula's father from um, podcast two and three. Um, they are in spirit. They have already made contact. Um, yeah, so he he says like he would, Christian was basically saying that to before, you know, as he was going towards his death, he was being told what was going on. Um, and I re would really love to have a death doula on the show with me. Uh, so if there's anyone out there who's listening who'd like to come on. But I know that that so many interesting things happened when before death <laughs> occurs. Um, and Christian obviously had these visitations and he was he was being told what was going to be happening to him. And you know, he he then later says that angels are God's messengers. Um, they don't all have the same purpose, guises, or ways of doing things, but you can always tell when your life has been touched by them. Um, yeah, and and again, that's that sort of that destiny calling, that that idea that we're being taken, and you just you're following what lights you up, you know, what excites you. Keep following in that 
that vein and like take the steps take the small steps like live in the present and just take those small steps if something's calling for you like it, it you'll be pulled like Krishna and I have been pulled all the way through our lives <laughs> actually um literally being pulled forwards to to this point we we are all if we allow ourselves to be pulled but we do have this choice we can say mm, no no you're right um but you will keep feeling uncomfortable when you're feeling uncomfortable and when you're feeling nervous about things like that's when you're getting the call to go where you're wanting to go it's uncomfortable but often that's where the really good stuff is happening and when you're going to learn stuff um and then there's just one little bit as well i want to add so this was later on this was christian's like last little bit of extra information for the book he's always talking about a book so i think these podcasts have actually been the book <laughs> i've been writing it as as i've been speaking it um so this was the last little bit that he wrote about really about why he was traveling why he was always drawn to traveling and as often happened I was actually reading a book and I burst into tears when I was reading a section uh, this is the book it's the song lines by Bruce Chatwin and Bruce um, studied nomads um, and he traveled all over the world with with nomads and this is the song lines is all about the um <clears throat> sorry the the australian aboriginal song lines and in it i was literally in the middle of kidzania which is like this weird thing for children where they basically go out and try different jobs so it's like a, this whole town and they have set areas where children can go and do different jobs like vet or radio or sportsman or think something like that which is totally commercialized and totally <clears throat> um yeah totally what christian was actually trying to get away from which is will become clear um but yeah in the middle of this place i was reading this book and there was a mention of of walking um how it gets you closer to god it gets you closer to balance to to peace and um what there's a apparently in, in this book there's a, a a latin term i'm not even going to pron pronounce the latin um but it translates as it is solved by walking which i think we actually mentioned in the first podcast so christian as I've told you from, from that first um, agent's letter, he was always traveling. He was like the wild man. I'm sure you've seen the pictures. He, that's what he wanted to do with his life. He was drawn to walk. And this is Christian's last piece to me about, uh, yeah, kind of like tying up the ends. So we wrote this in, let me just see, in May, 2019. And he says, Travel, ah, oh, Han, this is an important point for the book. And that's why I gave you the tears yesterday while reading Chatwin's book. I'd really like to say a few words about why I traveled and what I experienced while traveling. In one word, freedom. I was able to be myself, undistracted from being my, sorry, un, I don't know what that says, from being my true self. I could be bolshy, kind, generous, sociable, quiet, and wander freely. 
There was no demands placed on me except my own thoughts, which were sometimes skewed by drugs or alcohol. That was in the UK. But generally I could be myself, which was such a relief. Dusty boots and wind in my hair or heat on my back, flies around me, a natural diet and fresh air unpolluted by traffic. I had space to wander and explore. And that idea of the rhythm of walking being hypnotic and meditative was so true for me. I could really see myself and the universe around me. Even in Africa before the angels, I was beginning to view myself and my place in new terms. The snake shedding her skin was an apt metaphor. It's like seeing things with new eyes. Corny, I know, but true. I was being stripped back to my bones. Who was I? What was I doing here? What was I contributing? What was I doing with this life? Who was I living for, myself or others? What was the extent of myself? Where did I begin and end? Heavy questions. But like you, Han, when you were told to know yourself, that's how you awaken. You, as me, a starseed, know, uh, know now that this life has all been about the journey we've been on. The wanderers, the journeyers, we've come full circle, lost and found, lost and awakened, sleeping and alive. Truth kicks you into life. That's a good phrase. Being alive is feeling the wind on your face, the sensation of an energy greater than yourself enveloping you, sensing the mystery of everything around you, the potential that exists to tap into. You can be part of that energy. Tap into it like plugging in a socket to connect to that energy. Of course, the potential to connect is always there. But what do people do with it normally? They might sense it, but do they, but they do nothing or don't get the opportunity to live. Well, that's what they think anyway. Like you at the moment, Han, you're just moments away from flicking the on switch, which will see you connect fully to this energy potential. You're actually a bit scared still as you toy with others' expectations and reactions. Honestly, you can flick that switch. Can you feel the angels in your back? Yeah. <laughs> you, you just need to have self-belief and the ability to just connect and not think about the repercussions of what you'll unleash. Just travel the path. Wander freely. Converse. Interact. Create. Be led willingly. I was, and I'm very glad I was. So yeah, that's um, that's Christian's kind of final, final few words <clears throat> on the book, and actually it feels quite. We have actually come up to time almost. Um, yeah, I like the story is the purpose. Like Christian is the storyteller, and I'm like the spirit messenger, I guess, for this. We have one part of this story which we haven't finally tied up yet. And the this is the camera cards that I've been talking about on and off throughout this. Like the onus is on Christian in this life to provide the proof of this story and also to make it like a much bigger audience for this story so these camera cards I don't know if I've really explained them before but they were stolen from him in Kita in Mali K-I-T-A and I have always been told by God 
by source and by Christian all along that these will be back in my possession. And with these camera cards, camera reels, so there'll be a film of Christian plus his photographs, we will be able to like complete this story to be able to have a totally, a seemingly impossible to complete story. Uh, you know, when, when you have a missing person in, in Africa that nobody's ever going to, you know, find or find the story, you know, we have got so far that we have been able to find peace, balance, rebirth, both of us, and to help other people. Like this, these camera cards are like the last piece of that puzzle. And I, I assume <laughs> that by the end of these podcasts, because we've done eight and we've still got uh, another 16, I think, to do, we will have these camera cards. So the intention is here. I will use whatever I receive. I will use and publicize. And this will be like the story. This will be, this is, this will be how we will be able to really, really fulfill our purpose. So there we go. I've set out the um, I've set out the the intention, and I am calling the camera cards in. I am calling the last missing pieces to this story to our story in. There we go. So lots of love, and I'll see you next week. I think next week I'm going to do a bit of a roundup, and I know there's there's quite a bit of agitation about. Um, moving out and getting back into real life after this COVID lockdown. So I think we're going to be helping with that. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got something from it. Okay. Lots of love and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the finder of lost things. I think we've been triggered so long and so hard by COVID and it's going to carry on. People are getting used to, to stillness and they're getting used to um, more solitude but how do you use that time for the highest good this process that we're going to explore will bring back the joy and purpose to life that wholeness you know that sort of harmony and flow and togetherness people are really ready to find their lost parts now you can find me at hannahvelton.online expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.